So technically, we're all byproducts, right, of something or someone, culture perhaps. Well, you want to tap into being a byproduct of today's speaker, today's guest, today's best-selling author, today's educator, today's direct level marketing, all the things, the guru on so many levels. He's a coach. He's a consultant. He's a teacher. He's a trainer. He is a business extraordinaire, a serial entrepreneur. And I know I want to be a byproduct of that training, of that teaching, right? We all want to pick up the best elements of somebody else. And he packaged it in a book. So go to Amazon right now and get the byproduct book by Ian Pruckner. He's amazing. And today he's going to teach us a bit about how can we actually apply ourselves to be the best version from an entrepreneurial lens. He has such a heart for the Lord. You guys know I love me some Christian entrepreneurs. And I am just excited for you guys to connect with him. He is all the rage on Instagram. So be sure to follow over there too with his beautiful bride and babies and see where they're traveling in the world next. I look forward to hearing your feedback. Be sure to follow the show. And if you want to leave us a review or even tag Ian and myself as you're sharing it on social media, I know he'd love to share you out. So Ian, thanks for being here. Y'all tune in. Welcome to the Fit and Faith Podcast. Fit is an acronym representing founders, innovators, and trailblazers who are looking to live a life wholly, fully, authentically, and truly fit. A space for us to connect on the raw, real stories of mind, body, and soul alignment of entrepreneurs and kingdom leaders. I'm your host, Tamara Andress, and this podcast isn't like the cookie-cutter interview experience. I've been coined the entrepreneurial rabbi, and so we do go there, unscripted. No matter how far, wide, deep, or high the there is, my desire is to see people rise from the inside out into their greatest calling by sharing their truest stories, talents, and tips. As a purpose activator and brand builder, I believe our successes and failures are derived from who and whose we are, not what we do. But strategy and vision are equally as important to the mission. So let's cut to the chase together and get fit in faith. Hey, 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 live and in action. You wouldn't believe the story that it took to get here. We have had so many tech issues, but today it is It's a miracle. It's a, it is a bona fide miracle. I'm so grateful, Ian, to have you here. And I was just like loving, if you guys are not on the intro, you got to go check out the intro live. You've got a killer suit game. Your fashion oh sense is on point. I'm like, okay, brother, let's go. And you know, what's funny is I never wear suits. <laughs> for, for people who know, I, I wear a suit if I'm speaking on a really big stage and it's requested of me, or if I'm at a wedding or a funeral, other than that, I'm a, I'm a t-shirt sort of guy, you know? I love it. Well, whatever suits you have in your closet clearly work, or at least with the, the branded photo shoot days that you chose. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm excited to get to know you, Ian, and share you with the community. It's been awesome. Even after the, the falling out of tech glitches that occurred when we first tried to do this, it actually gave me more of an opportunity to just consume your... An adventure. I always tell people, I feel like I've lived 10 lifetimes in 15 years. It's really been incredible all around the world, and it's been uh, an amazing ride. Let's let's jump into that. How how did that kind of emerge, and maybe what was the precursor to the fifteen year mark? Because yeah. I know you're older than fifteen years old. Yeah, I am. I am older than fifteen years old. <laughs> Not by much, but a little bit. You know, well, first of all, it's an honor to be with you, and uh, and I appreciate I appreciate your voice 
out there to the community. I think it's so needed to be able to have these sorts of relevant conversations with people who are doing really interesting things. And so it's uh, it's an honor to be here and to be with some of your community. And uh, so 15 years ago, my life was really, really different than it is right now. I was uh, just graduating college. I went to school to become a science teacher. And uh, I oh, student wow. taught. You guys I are going to hear taught. his bio in the intro. You would not have guessed. Yeah, never in a million years. I thought you were right? going to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I went to school to be a science teacher. I student taught and I hated it. And I said, I cannot do this with the rest of my life, right? And God bless teachers out there. They get paid nowhere near enough. They put up with a lot of garbage, right? And I'm like, you know what? I can't do this. So I was a musician. I loved music. I put myself through school playing music. I played in a punk rock band and taught music lessons. I had a music instruction company. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to be a musician. So I ended up um, getting hired in at a local church to run a music program. It's like a non-denominational, pretty big church. And so it was like running rock bands. I ran four bands and and did five services a week. And I loved it. And I taught music lessons, played in the punk rock band on the side. And and that was sort of my life, right? It was amazing. I just, if you, any of you who want to do a little Googling, okay, if you want to have some fun today after we're done, just Google some of my older pictures. I have black spiked mohawk, big old gauged earrings. I mean, it's amazing, right? That's incredible. yeah, the glow up is real, people. The glow up is real. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and um, so I got hired in at this church. I was newly married. We were like six months married. And uh, we both had a heart for the ministry. We had a heart for the church. And, and so I started working at that church. Uh, my wife actually came over and started working at the church as well. They brought her out of her job to help run run the ministry. And it was something we both felt really like we were supposed to do. We weren't really sure why, but we thought we should go there. And so we sort of had a number that we needed to be at to make life work, right? And when you work for a church, it's always a little gray, like the area between volunteering and serving oh, and church. work and all of that. And so we sort of had this number we needed to be at. The church was in the middle of a building project. Uh, project. And so they said, you know, we really want you guys here and uh, we can pay you X. And X is about 30% below where we needed to be. And so we prayed about it. We thought, well... You know, we really feel like we're supposed to be here. Let's go ahead and do it. And I'll just keep some of my other side jobs. So I kept the music lessons. I kept the band. And I started working at the church. They said, in, in, in a year, we'll be through the building project. We're going to get you here. We just need you to come, come, get started, and we'll make things work. And so we jumped in both feet. I'm not sort of like ultra addictive personality, right? Like anything I do, I'm going to do 10X, like All in, yeah. over the top, right? Is yeah. why, you know. Alcohol and I don't mix. It's why, yeah. you know a great number of other things and I don't mix, but it, yep. it's sort of a helpful thing. And man, our first anniversary, Tamara, we spent as a pirate and a princess in a kids' vacation Bible school play. Like yes. that commit. I was the worship director, and I'm a pirate in the vacation Bible school play. Like that's how in we were. And about six months in, uh, my boss, his name was Stephen, um, called me into his office. His name was Stephen King, ironically, not the. Horror author, but you know, people always find that funny. And he called me in his office, and I thought for sure he'd seen all of the extra time I'd been putting in, all the different areas we were involved in that were sort of over and above my job description. I was positive that he was going to be giving me that raise early, right? And so I walked by Jess, and I'm like giving her the thumbs up. I'm like, 
I'm getting a raise early. It's going to be amazing. We're going to Applebee's tonight. You know, that was one of those. <laughs> the two nights. for one special. Exactly. Two, yeah, two for one, baby. Right. I'm, I'm going high class, fancy like, right? Okay. And, uh, and so I sit down in his office and I'm sure that a lot of the people watching this can empathize with this experience. But I walked in and I don't know if you've ever walked into a room where something is not right, but you can feel the energy. It was like, it just zapped me. And I'm like, hmm. I don't know what's about to go on, but I don't think it's what I'm expecting. And he sat me down. He said, Ian, I'm really sorry to tell you this. The church has actually gotten behind on their bond payments. Effective immediately, we're cutting everybody's pay by 10%. We're very sorry. We're not sure if and when we're going to be able to make that up to you. But what I will do is I will try to get you some time off so you can make that money elsewhere. I'm like, well, I'm not really looking to make money elsewhere. I'm already working two other jobs. And... um, We are on thin ice right now, man. It's not good. So I walked out of there and I felt like I'd been punching the gut. You know, I was doing all the right things. I was going above and beyond. I was really just serving to the utmost capacity we had and and life was going in the wrong direction. And I'm sure there are people on here watching that have been there, maybe are there right now. It's like, no matter what you're doing, you're doing the right things. The wrong things are happening. And it was a tough moment. It felt like I'd been punched in the stomach, sort of, you know what I mean? And we sat down, we did our, our budget. And we were $250 a month in the negative, even with my other jobs. And so my radar went up for what I could be doing to make an extra $250 a month. And so what I decided on doing was I was going to be a night manager at Rite Aid and, you know, the convenience store. And I was going to work three midnights a week for $14 and 85 cents an hour. And that was going to be my, my solution. And here I am, I'm six months married. My wife's love language is quality time. We, see each other going to work and coming home from work. That's about it. After I'm home, I'm doing three other jobs and it was not good. I was unhappy. I was gaining weight from all the stress and I just sort of felt like a loser. Honestly, I'm like, you know, I'm 22 years old at the point and this is not what I imagined my life to be like. And so fast forward about 30 days, my boss calls me and he says, Hey, are you still trying to make some extra money? I said, well, Stephen, with all due respect, since you are my boss, you see what you pay me, right? Okay. <laughs> that is the dumbest question anybody has ever asked me. Of course, I'm looking to make real. Yeah. 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 And he says, uh, he says this, he says, there's this guy that goes to the church. He does this thing and you could do it with him part time and you'd probably be good at it. You should go talk to him. And um, I'm like, well, I couldn't make any less than I'm making here. So sure. Right. I had no idea what he was doing. And uh, so I called this guy. I'm like, hey, my boss said you might have an opportunity for me. He says, sure, come over. I'm like, when? He's like, how about an hour? It's a Wednesday afternoon in August of 2006. And um, I pulled up to his house in Tamara. It was this castle looking home on a lake, right? And I didn't know any wealthy people. My parents are super blue collar. They still live in the same 900 square foot house uh, I grew up in, right? Like, Like wonderful people, amazing role models, but just didn't really have that piece of life dialed in, you know? Right. And so I pulled up to this guy's house and no joke. I'm like, if this guy's not selling drugs to kids, I'm in. Like (laughs) I I almost didn't care because, because I, I I understood the principle that this man knew something about generating wealth that I didn't know. And I thought I'd be foolish to not at least learn from him, no matter what he was doing. And so I decided I was going to get involved working with him part time. And, um, eight months later, uh, I was making six figures part-time and 
I'm like, this is crazy, right? I was making 30 grand a year at my job at the church before the pay cut. And I'm like, you know what? I need to see what this can be. And so I made one of the hardest decisions in my life, which was to leave the full-time ministry. It was something I thought that I would do forever. It wasn't really a job. I felt like it was a calling. It was something I absolutely loved. I still love to this day. And I just really felt God telling me to move, telling me to move. And so we made the decision that I was going to leave the full-time ministry to pursue that business on a full-time basis. And I was excited. I was scared. I was nervous. And the day I went to resign, man, it was one of the toughest days of my life. I just had so many people that were my friends, that loved me, that wanted the best for me, that were so discouraging. And they were telling me some of the craziest things. You don't love God anymore. All you care about is money. You'll be back. You're making a mistake. All this. But Tamara, I felt like deep down on the inside in this little, still, small voice, I felt this whisper like, Ian, one day you're going to give away more every year than you make every year right now. Trust me. Take this step. I got you. Mm. And so I, I walked out. Uh, of my last day full-time. I actually stayed on board with the ministry for two years, full-time as a lay person. I didn't, I didn't take a salary. And I started that business. A few years later, we were making a million dollars a year from that business and bought other stuff, run multiple companies now, making many multiples of that. It's just been an app. We've traveled to the greatest places in the world. You know, we um, homeschool our three kids. We're old school. We're the OG of homeschool. I tell people we were homeschooling before COVID, right? Before (laughs) Before it was cool and trendy. Before it was cool, right? We've been having meltdowns at home for eight years. I have no sympathy for you. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, uh, but we've been homeschooling. We homeschooled because we love to travel and we have the kids in a private Christian school and we actually got in trouble because they missed 41 school days, right? Oh, the first yeah, year they're, they're like, this is not going to fly for us. And, and one of my mentors, he told me, you never let schooling get in the way of a good education. And so we took him up on that. We pulled him out. We've been traveling the world. I mean, it's just been absolutely amazing being there for all of their moments and all their growth and watching them see the great places of the world and meet the most incredible people in the world and be immersed in all these cultures and surrounded by people who are excited about their dreams and their goals, who are impacting the world, who are building the kingdom. And it's just been really amazing. Like I said earlier, I always tell people, I feel like I've lived 10 lifetimes in 15 years and I'm excited because we're really just getting started. And, um, and it's been an amazing journey, but much more amazingness to come. That's so good. I think there's a couple of things like to t- take note to one, my husband and I are on the same belief system and passion level of traveling and letting our kids be culturally immersed. Like that's true education, something that the school books and the schools, the house in and of itself can't teach you. I feel like it's very similar to being boxed into the church in some realm. Some people think that the only time they can experience Jesus is inside the four walls from the pastor, from the pulpit. And there's so much more training that happens when you're in the field, when you're in the training zone of people. Right. Absolutely. An impact. know. I think that that's a massive conversation, but the thing that really piques me it, for you and for my community is this knowing that when God speaks and it's that still small voice, it often can come against what cultural norms look like, even what the church might think is right. Or what you wrong. think. Right? Oh, that's good. That's really good. 
Absolutely. You're like, wait, this isn't what I was expecting to be. Like you said, you thought you were going to be in ministry full time like that. And I think when there is a play of money associated to that, it can get extra confusing for people. And so I'd love for you to talk about like how you entered into knowing like the truth associated to that and how you steward your finances after coming into that versus never having experienced it when you were younger. Wow, that's that is a good a couple of good questions. What's interesting about the way God works is he's just sort of like a little sneaky, not in a bad way, and in almost like a humorous way. Like if you think about even the story the redemptive story of Christ, right? Like Israel, this nation is waiting for a political savior, right? And here comes a little child in a manger and it's not like what they expected. And I think that's God's MO so many times in our life is like, we have what we think is going to happen. And he's like, no, I I don't have a political savior. I have like an actual savior, but it's not going to look anything like you thought. Because you're you and you're not God, right? And man, listen, it it can be tough. But when you feel that urging on the inside, you got to walk. You got to walk through it and understand that all things work for our good, right? And so, you know, it was scary to do that, but it was the right thing to do. And, you know, very rarely have I ever had some sort of audible experience or something like that. But I just knew, even though it was scary, and here's where a lot of, people miss the mark is they interpret fear or they interpret some of that anxiety as, you know, missing the peace of God. Mm. Right. And what's interesting about the peace of God, he says, he'll give us peace, supernatural peace. Well, if we need supernatural peace, that must mean that if we're in his will, most of the time, we're probably not going to have natural peace or we wouldn't need his peace. Right. right? And a lot of people misinterpret that. They Mm. think, well, if I feel this way about it. And so we walked over into that here. The money thing, you're you're dead right on. A lot of people have hangups in money, and a lot of that is bad teaching from from parents, bad teaching from the church, you know. And the fact is, there's a lot of wonderful people out there that don't win the money game. And so when we're a great person, but we're losing in an area, many times we feel the need to to rationalize or justify that loss, right? Like, hey, I'm a good person, I'm doing the right things, but I'm not succeeding here. Why is that? And it's easy to demonize something or to make something seem less important or wrong or bad. So as to excuse ourselves from having to learn about it, be responsible to it and steward it. Right. Okay. And yeah. And so, you know, one of the things that, that I had to wrestle with early on, right. Was like, did, did God want me to, to be financially successful? Right. Because, you know, there's scriptures, it's easier for the rich man to, uh, you know, for a camel to enter through the eye of a needle than for a rich right. man to enter the kingdom of heaven, right? Like that's, there's some pretty strong statements there. What do those mean? Yeah. On the other side, it's that God's given us the power to create wealth, right? And that we would prosper even as our soul prospers. And so what I had to do is I had to do some digging, some deep digging. I had to, to read the scripture for myself, not just take somebody's word for it and find out really what did God think about money. And here's what I found. Does God want you to have money? God's fine with you having money as long as money doesn't have you. That's the key. And that's what God's saying there, right? Is, is when money is in God's place, it's out of place. When people are in God's place, it's out of place. When achievement is in, it's not just money. It's anything Uh, that exalts in our life into the position that God's supposed to be in. So what I did to steward it, a very specific question is, you know, the Bible says you can't serve 
two gods. You can't serve both God and money. And so the best way to make sure that you're not serving money is to make money serve you, is to get dominion and control over that. How do you do that? I think you do that in two ways. Number one is you get control and you get a plan. You tell money where to go. Money doesn't tell you where to go. And Tamara, there's a lot of people that woke up this morning and money told them where to go. For told sure. them to get in that car. Yep. Go to that place. Yep. They've, dre- they've dreaded being to do something that's below the calling on their life. Yep. That's causing them to compromise or be in a bad position because money told them to do it. The bills at the end of the week told them to do it. And so if you can get control over your money, money won't have control over you. So number one is control and stewardship. Number two is giving. Giving is such a powerful tool because it it is the ultimate show of dominion over finances. When you say your place to me is so under my authority, I'm going to tell you to go. That's how little hold you have on me. Because the person who's in lack, the person who's being controlled by money, they're afraid of losing it. They want to hold it. They want to hoard it. They want to penny pinch. They want to, they want to maybe compromise sometimes to get it. The person who's in control of that says, you know what? You can go. There's more coming. I'm not worried about it. Yeah. I yeah. know your place in my life, and that is under my control and under my direction. And so those are the things that really help me be, be in a good spot with understanding God wants to resource his people, period. Imagine the good that could happen if everybody that was a kingdom builder was well-resourced, was running sustainable, residual income opportunities where they didn't need other people's support. They supported themselves by adding value to the communities around them. I mean, it would be pretty profound. What yeah, would be incredible. And you think about even just like the missional work that we'd be able to do that all of us feel like there's this massive calling. And then we get to this stagnation point of, I don't know how to even make this come to life. And I see this time and time again, even with entrepreneurs who are have this good idea and they think that the only way that they could make that possibly come to fruition is to open a nonprofit, is to start a nonprofit. Because it's been told to them that if they do a nonprofit, then that is a due diligence of heaven. That is like it's a righteous thing. That's the best thing to do. Right. And that's simply not the case because then you have to start a nonprofit and your nonprofit has to make money. You can't not make money just because you have a title in that realm. And so it's been really interesting to flip the script on that, not to say you shouldn't start a nonprofit. I have started many nonprofits. I think they're amazing. But you have to have something that's going to fuel the nonprofit. The nonprofit development comes after you've made money to fuel the nonprofit. And Tamara, what's so interesting about what you're talking about, because I love this, and I've been privileged to be able to sit on a couple of boards of, of some ministries that are self-sustaining ministries that, that operate without yeah, having okay. to, to raise capital because yeah. they're raising their own capital. And it's been pretty fantastic to watch this. But here's what's so interesting about profit. Most people, if you ask an average person to describe profit, they can't. They say, well, that's the money the CEO makes. False. That's an expense. That's actually coming out before profits and is lowering profits. What is profit? Profit is the money left over that then gets distributed out to the shareholders or, or reinvested back in. There's not one person who's keeping all these evil profits. Right. But watch this. This is how good God and God's system is. Because ultimately, nonprofits are about service, servicing other people. But at least in America, okay, even for profit, the only way you're getting money, money is a certificate of merit. In a free economy, if you're not stealing it from people, people are saying, Tamara, 
I would like your time, your expertise, your skills, your product or your service. And I would like that so much. I'd be willing to trade you this money in exchange. Would you accept that? And so the only way you can become wealthy in the United States is by serving people voluntarily who voluntarily part from that. And that's a very interesting concept because the more you have, the more you've served, there's no other way around it. You cannot accumulate large amounts of money without serving large amounts of people. And what a great plan that is because you could be the greediest, most selfish, terrible person in the world. And the only way you could ever get what you would want is to help a whole lot of other people along the way. What an incredible plan, right? Yeah, it's so good. And I I honestly hadn't thought about it even from that perspective because you think of these like moguls in the industry who, whether it's Elon Musk, Steve Jobs, like whoever you want to name, right? And the things that they have created, but look at the service associated to what they've created. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, Jeff Bezos, somebody was, you know, ripping on him the other day about he only gave $50 million and that's like this, that, and the other thing. And and I read a little article where somebody was, you know, complaining about his net worth, his $200 billion net worth. He said, well, you know, I'm worth 200 billion because Amazon is worth a trillion. And so I've actually made other people four times as much money as I made for me. And if you stop and think about it, if you're anything like me, Tamara, the Amazon people have you on a first name basis, right? Like, <laughs> like they, they know exactly where your stuff goes. You got a handshake with them, right? Like they're like they're everything to you. But stop and think about what that man has done for the average person's quality of life, right? I mean, anything you want can be there in virtually two days from anywhere in the world. You have more choice. You have more comparison ability. You're getting lower costs. You're saving so much time right? So much time that you put back with your family or in the things that you love. I mean, it's not just goods he's providing. He's providing a quality of life enhancement for everybody in the world, literally everybody in the world, plus all of the people that work for him and all these things, right? And that's that's why he has all of that. And it's so interesting, you know, somebody was making fun of his yacht and who needs that, right? And okay, that's fine. But there are probably people living on the other side of the world that see how you live and would say, well, who needs that, right? And it really isn't about need. What about all the people who mined out the material for that boat? What about all the shippers that transported it? What about the engineers that designed it, the electricians that ran the wires, right? The painters and the plumbers and the carpenters, the dock houses, the transporters, the insurance people. Every, all of that was serving people and serving people with dignity. If you ever get a chance that you should read a book called Toxic Charity, it's it's really an eye-opening book about the fact that we would be so much better to give people the ability to participate in their own in their own uh, upliving versus just pulling them up our way. Hey, we're going to give you this. We're going to create this program. What about doing it with people? What about giving people? a chance to participate in that is a really fantastic book that shaped how I thought about a lot of this stuff. Well, what's interesting as you're saying that and thinking of my children, we have them on this like youthpreneur path, right? Like they've been starting businesses and really having conversations about generational wealth and real estate and investments. And every day they get in the car, they're like, what did my investment account do today? Right. And it's, you know, another layer to education that most people don't think about. People want my husband's plan for it. I'm sure one day he'll work it out. 
I'll make it into an e-course because he's never going to do something like that. But he's talking about, you know, the exposure to conversations like this at an early, early age and the change that it could take place for generations to come. And we talk about generational wealth or generational ties to that. But there's this book that was brought to my attention from Oprah's Soul podcast I was listening to even just this morning. And she was talking about uh, a book called, um, oh gosh, it's on the tip of my tongue, uh, Die, Die Broke or Die With Zero. Die With Zero is the name of the book. And the, the premise is, is that we should actually be spending the investments that we have now rather than um, holding it to this point that when you get to your deathbed, you never hear someone regret uh, how much money they did or didn't spend. Right. I spent too much money. I wish I had more maybe to give to my kiddos. But ultimately, it's like there is more that could have been done with your life, knowing that you have all of this holding cell for people and to teach my kids to do it now, to teach our that youth generation now allows us not to carry this crazy burden that they're not going to be able to later because they already have this lens. Talk to me about like accruing a financial gain over the longevity of your life and what that looks like for either your kiddos or generations or maybe just the life you're living now. Yeah, that's that's an interesting thought. You know, um, I have a little mini course that I teach on the five money thoughts that keep people poor. And one of them is you can't take it with you when right. you're gone. Right. And, and and the fact is that is totally true. You cannot take it with you. There are no bank vaults following the hearse. Right. But it's very one sided and maybe a little bit intellectually dishonest. Right. And that is you can't take it with you, but you sure can empower the people you leave behind. Yeah. Right. You sure can uh, take care of the causes that you care about. You can use your wealth and your resources for more than you. And so that's one of the uh, most interesting things. You know, my wife and I um, have been in the process for a little bit of setting up a foundation um, because one of the things that we love to do is we love to do outsource giving, right? So we give to our church and we give to other organizations, but, you know, it's paying a light bill somewhere and who knows what. And one of the things we like to do is find a need and meet that need directly. And so one of the things foundations allow you to do is you can actually give into the foundation and deduct that from whatever tax year you're giving it in, in total, but you actually only need to spend out 5% of that money that's in the foundation every year. So if the money's well-managed, theoretically, that foundation continues to grow. And let's say you were giving away 50,000 a year to random causes or 100,000 a year, you can make some difference there, right? Yeah. But piling that in a foundation where you're earning interest and only having to deploy certain pieces of it at certain times, you end up creating a sustainable ministry tool, right? Where eventually yeah. the interest yeah. on that foundation yep. is more than the actual principal you would yep. be giving. And you can do legacy projects. You can make enormous differences. Instead of spreading an, a, a, a mile wide and an inch deep, you can make very concerted use of that. So, you know, one of the things that that we've set as a, as a goal. We, we've got a number that we're working towards. And that number is far more than we'll ever need in our lifetime or our kids will probably ever need in their lifetime. And the way that our trusts are set up too, Tamara, is we want to empower our kids. We don't want to handicap them. Yeah, and so, so what does that mean? The way that they're going to distribute that money, should my wife and I not be here, they're going to be comfortable. They're going to be able to do what they want to do in life, not what they might have to do in life. 
but they're also not going to be able to do nothing. Yes, life, yes. Right? So it's, gonna, it's going to distribute to them over yeah. time and at certain milestones. And it's going to basically force them into being productive members of society while also maintaining some of the legacy that we're able to, to build, to distribute, you know, hopefully for hundreds of years after we're gone. Yeah. And I, that was a huge component of like new information that when we were building, we, we, it's a trust the way that we set it up for our family and every, you know, every property we have is its own LLC and then it's held underneath this trust and having the access point at certain ages, I just never even thought about like when they turn 18, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's all going to go to hell in a handbasket. If it's handed to one child, the other child might actually duplicate and multiply as they're intended. But, you know, it's just depending, I think anybody coming into something like that, especially under, um, pressures of society or pressures of personality, it could ruin them. We hear yeah. it all the time with people who hit the lottery, right? Or yeah. NFL players and things and what happens with them. Well, it's the process. Account. It's yeah. the process that, that makes us strong enough to bear the weight of success and influence. It's actually the lifting. It's like that old adage of helping a butterfly out of its cocoon. You see this butterfly struggling to get out. You think, well, I want to help it. This looks so hard. It's yeah. struggling. Let me help it. So you open up the cocoon and the butterfly gets out faster. It's easier, except the butterfly can't actually fly because its wings never gain the strength to support itself that were needed and would have been cultivated through the struggle of coming out of it. And that's what you see. You see a lot of people who who are not prepared for that level of blessing and the blessing actually becomes a burden because they didn't earn the right to hold that through the process of becoming somebody capable of managing it. You see it with sports players, you see it with lottery people. I mean, you see all sorts of people who did not have to learn the rules of money in order to get that money. And it becomes a problem in their life because they it's out of place. They don't know how to handle it. They don't know how to steward it. Yeah. And I think honestly, like this whole conversation has really been around stewardship, even even the stewardship of his word to you when you stepped out in obedience from the church and in that prompting and that calling. Face Media Co. is dedicated to activating mission-driven leaders in the marketplace by way of publishing, press, and play. Because your story doesn't just matter to you. It matters to move others. We help you dissect and share your message through podcasting, book writing, and business development. These three areas are exactly how my team and I have opened doors to stages, become the best-selling author I always dreamed I'd be, and even the entrepreneur that energetically and joyfully shows up to serve each and every day. Literally nothing I do feels like work. Every day feels like play. And we'd love to help you live the same life of freedom and fun. If you're a speaker, a writer, or an aspiring business owner, let's jump on a call today to vision cast your future together. Go to www.fitinfaithmedia.com. Again, that's fitinfaithmedia.com. Book your call. If you're a founder, an innovator, a trailblazer, or a wannabe, we can help you get there. Let's do it. I'm curious from how you show up in the world now in all of these different facets, real estate, investment, you know, intellectual property, you're an author, you're a speaker. Um, how do you infuse the other lens or fruits of the spirit into how you activate on a daily basis? Yeah, that's, a, that's a, a, an interesting thing. One of my favorite quotes 
that I heard early in my walk with the Lord that just has always stuck with me is preach always, use words only when necessary. Yeah. And one, one of the ways I've tried to live my life is I've tried to be an example of Christ as best I can. Listen, we all fail. We all fall short. None of us is perfect. I'm far from perfect. You can ask my wife. <laughs> <All right? laughs> okay. But, um, but man, listen, you know, one of the things I've tried to do every single day for 15 years is show up and do the best that I can be a good steward of my time. Work as unto God, be fair to people, be good to people, treat people well. And you know what? I have, uh, had the honor of leading a whole lot more people to the Lord through my business ventures than I ever had working for a church because I'm out where people are. I'm out where people's needs are. You come face to face with hurting people, broken people, lost people, people who need some direction, people who need an ear, people who need a total change in life. And they look at you say, say, where's that joy come from? How are you able to stay so calm amidst these challenges. Why aren't you responding like anybody else I've ever seen? Why did you why did you do that when you didn't have to do it? And that has been sort of my MO for the last 15 years is man, I hope my life speaks uh, volumes that my words would never speak. And like I said, man, I've I've messed up so many times. I know you messed up so many times. Everybody listening, we're not perfect but we can get up every day and we can try to be the hands and feet of Jesus because the truth is some of us are the only Jesus anybody's ever going to see out there. And so, you know, can we be good to people? Can we treat people right? Can we be honest with them? Even when it hurts us, can we do those things? And I think that that's the, that's really what I've tried to do showing up for the last 15 years. Yeah. I think that there's just that sense of nobility, but I can hear like, I can hear humility in the way that you speak, which is really powerful, especially when people are speaking to accolades or, or versions of themselves that they had not even embodied until they got there, right? Like you can even perceive the kind of places that you've shown up or the, the people that you've got to be in conversations with. And I just think it's such a grace on your life and on your family for you to be able to step into that. And so I just want to just pray vocally out loud for that continued abundance and prosperity over you guys. Absolutely. You know, I I always tell people, Tamara, I feel like I'm, I'm a turtle on a fence post. I didn't get there on my own. I've been (laughs) surrounded by unbelievable people. No, seriously. I've been surrounded by unbelievable people. And, um, you know, God's just been exceedingly good to us. You know, I got saved when I was 19, I was running a hundred miles an hour in the wrong direction. And he changed my life dramatically. I mean, just absolutely dramatically. And, um, and listen, you know, it's, it's, it's just something that I understand. I didn't get here by myself. (laughs) It could all go away tomorrow. And, um, and so that's one of the things that is something that's always been important to me is remember where you came from. Remember where it came from. Remember who you are and remember whose you are. And if you remember those four things, I think it's pretty hard to get off base on um, on why you're where you are, you know? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think when you're thinking of it on like a day-to-day basis, people are always asking to like rhythm or routine or like what does that kind of look like for you on a consistent basis for you to stay into that mentality and the reminder of whose you are? Man, you know, it's um, I do a lot of things every day and um, 
to me, it's the little things done daily that make the big wins that everybody wants, right? One of my, uh, one of my uh, uh, mentors and people that I look up to a ton says all the time that it's, it's what you do every day, not some days that makes the difference, right? Craig Rochelle says winners do every day what everybody else does sometimes, right? And so for me, those routines and those habits are, are a big thing. I'm up generally by 6, 6.15 every morning. And the first thing I'm doing is I'm getting out, I'm walking or running, and I'm thinking and praying and just talking to God. I'm thinking through my day. I'm just letting some things download, you know, that need to get downloaded. And then I'm self-developing, right? I'm self-developing. I'm taking care of, of other family stuff, responding to things. And I'm up with my leadership teams in the morning from about 8 to 9.30 every morning, working with different teams of people. And and um, But every single day, I do two things that I think have really helped me. Number one is I read. Uh, I read the Bible every single day. Um, even if it's just a chapter, it's every single day. And you know what? To be honest with you, sometimes it sucks, you know, reading through numbers or reading through, you know, some of these chapters where it's like Leviticus. You're like, do I have to read this again? What am I really going to get out of, you know, yeah. this person who begot this person yeah. who the 17th <laughs> yeah. generation? But it's just a habit because... Um, because what's inside comes out, right? And when you're when you're squeezed, when you're when you're stressed, when things aren't the way they need to be, you know, we, we've come through a number of health challenges in the last couple of years. My wife um, uh, had a cancer diagnosis. She caught it really early on. She beat that, but it was very very scary. Uh, my son has had a. Some, some serious challenges for a couple of years. He's doing unbelievable. Uh, we actually got his blood work back uh, last week. His first time in two years. Every, every level is in green. It's a total miracle. But I mean, it was not good. We had a lot of people praying for him. And, um, you know, we've got all these companies and all these people who need us and travel and all the responsibilities. And then you've got these terrible things that you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy that you don't control. And and in all those times when you're squeezed and you're pressed and the enemy tries to break you, what's on the inside comes out. And it's been the years of just fortifying myself with that that has, you know, has been a big deal. The second thing that I do every day is I write my wife an email. And um, at the end of every day, and sometimes it's just recapping the day. Sometimes it's what I'm excited about for tomorrow. Sometimes it was something I loved about her today that I saw that I didn't do, but that's another discipline that has just helped me enormously just to be thankful for the people around me and uh, to stay in a place where it's not me, the focus, you know? That's amazing. I love that idea so much on so many layers, obviously from the stewardship of marriage and your love for her, but just the memory that it's going to also sustain in the long run. I mean, she'll be able to make a book of that one day. It'll right? be a very long book after 50 uh, years. You know? <laughs> so cool though, as uh, just a testimony on so many different beats. I think they talk about goal setting and, you know, mapping and writing out what you're going to do that day or what's your mitt list, your most important task list of the day. And like, I can do some of those things. And then I can look back in my planner and be like, oh, wow, that's so cool. That came to fruition. Or if it's a prayer journal and you're checking off your prayers that you've written down. But I think that there's something different. There's another layer when it's a letter and what it's to someone that you love. You know, I think that there's hardships that you guys will go through that you'll be able to notate. So really cool. I'm going to have to pick that one up as a, as a tool for myself, but 
Ian, it's been amazing having this conversation and getting to know you more. I love your heart. I love your energy. I love the way that you show up to life. And I'd love for anybody to be able to connect with you firsthand. I know you're very uh, active on Instagram, um, but you have some courses and things that they can get infused with too. I'd love for you to share that with them. Yeah, well, um, it's been an honor, Tamara. Seriously, it's been a great conversation. I'm looking forward to more of them. And um, yeah, so Instagram is the best way to find me, just at Ian Pruckner. Be careful at any given time. There's five or 10 people who will try to sell you Bitcoin investments. Uh, that's <laughs> not, not me. <laughs> that's not me. I will never solicit you for a Bitcoin investment. I do not know any foreign princes that if you just send me a cashier's check, I'll uh, you know, repay you with uh, tenants from the kingdom. Uh, so that's not me. Okay, so make sure you find the real me uh, and just uh, send me a DM and I'd love to connect and help you in whatever way I can. Um, yeah, you know, I do have some courses. I put them together. Uh, I wrote a book called Byproduct. And the idea of the book was that we're all living in the byproduct, that the state of our relationships, the state of our health, our finances, our happiness, our peace, our joy, those are all byproducts of how we think what we believe and how we act, right? And, and so if we want to change the fruit, we got to change the root. And so I wrote a book on that and I actually came out with a masterclass on it uh, simply because, listen, everybody, the biggest gap in the world, Tamara, is the gap between knowing what to do and doing it, right? Like we all know what we need to do to lose a little bit of weight. We all know what we should be doing to increase our income. We all know what our spouse really would like us to show up more at home with. We know those things. We just don't do those things. And we do that because we have a misalignment. What we think and what we believe are not in alignment, right? And so how do you change that? How do you systematically change your thoughts and change your beliefs so that you can start showing up in the way that you want to? How do you change your programming? And so that course is, is 80 exercises on this is how I changed my thinking. This is how I lost 35 pounds and kept it off for a decade. This is how I, I, I don't even know what the multiple is now. 400 times my income or something like that from what I was making before, right? Um, here's how I did these things. And uh, so, so it's a fantastic course for people who are serious about wanting to change their lives. Um, I have a course called the Money Mindset Makeover. And it's talking about a lot of this idea about money because the truth is you're never going to have a positive experience with money if you have a negative relationship with it, right? And there's a lot of good people out there who have a lot of money hangups that they didn't put there. It's not their fault. It's been just learned through osmosis over the years, but giving you some control over that, right? I've got a social media mastery class, how to grow your social programs, um, a lot of different things uh, that we can connect on that'll help you on your journey to becoming the best version of you. Because the truth is, the world needs that best version of you. You're here with a plan, with a purpose, and you've got to walk into that plan and that purpose because there's some people's dreams who are tied to yours, right? And so that's really been a passion for me is helping, helping to be a dream releaser for some people who are going to do some really amazing things in life. So good. You guys, I'm so excited to have you on and I'm just so excited for them to connect with you and just follow along your journey, but more so learn from you and the journey that you've been on. Um, it's, it's one of greatness and I know God's going to continue to bless that um, to stewardship. So thank you, Ian. It's been such a gift. I can't wait to connect again. You guys go and follow Ian on all the places, but mainly Instagram because that's where I like his story the best. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. thanks guys. It's been an honor and Tamara, thank you and I look forward to connecting soon. Blessings. 
Hey y'all, it's me again. Before you go, let's solidify the flame that was ignited within you today by sharing the spark with your own community. Whether it's mentally, physically, emotionally, relationally, or spiritually, I would love for you to take the step right now by declaring your takeaway. Snap a pic of the episode and share it on your stories or posts, and you can tag me and the guest, and we will surely feature you on our Instas. Hey, you may even unlock a new accountability buddy in me or them. We're totally in this together, and we appreciate the extra step taken. I would be so grateful if you even took the extra step. Come on, give me that extra sauce and leave a review on iTunes for the podcast listening app that is of your choice. I'm going to be featuring your thoughts, in fact, and this is going to be so fun in upcoming episodes. So you'll not only hear your name on the show, but maybe even your passion project or whatever big shout out you want me to make. So please, as a fellow writer, leave some words that I can attest to, and I can't wait to read what you have to say. Thanks again for being a loyal listener, and I hope to meet you in person soon at one of the events that we are speaking at or hosting. And I say we because the Fit and Fake team could not do this without you. Until next time, blessings over your joy, health, wealth, and wholeness. This is the Fit and Faith Way. Hey friend, I'm Brooke McLaughlin, host of the Everyday Prayers Podcast, a ministry of million praying moms. And I'm here to invite you to partner with God for the hearts of your children on the daily. Our goal at Everyday Prayers is to help moms understand and pray God's word. Join us each weekday as we share insights from God's word for today's Christian mom. Tune in to the Everyday Prayers Podcast in your favorite app or by visiting lifeaudio.com.